turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. And it's already the end of the week. It's already June 16th. 2023 is almost half over. I'm looking at a Wall Street Journal article. Is it from today? Mm-hmm. Today's Wall Street Journal. It's about men's fashions and the Saint Laurent fashion show for men. How many men watch that? How many women watch that? Who watches that? But in any event, all the men in the pictures are wearing essentially women's clothing. Bare arms with a, uh, it's hard for me to describe because I'm not in the clothing industry, but it's a a female long scarf as if it were to cover the breasts, uh, but it is a man and largely breastless. And of course, the the shoulders are bare uh, if if a woman wore this, you you would say, oh, it's a, it's a nice outfit for a woman. The next the picture is a guy wearing a sheer top, black sheer top, as if uh, that's something that men would want to wear. And it is, again, it, it, it thoroughly feminine, thoroughly. It's not suggestive. Another one where it is cut uh, into the shoulder area. What would you call that third one? Where you have any idea? The straps around that go up, up the neck, or up the top of the shoulder, and then bare. It would be. It's exactly what women wear. And another one where we have a man in a completely sheer outfit, and you can see his underpants only. Now that is that is truly sexy, perhaps to gay men. This is not an insult whatsoever. Gay men are turned on by men. Heterosexual men are turned on by women. That's the way the world works. And this would not appeal to uh, anybody. The, the article is up. Yeah, you should see it, folks. It's up at DennisPrager.com. It's, uh, what is it titled? The Going Out Top. Period. For men, period. Sheer shoulders, backless blouses, and diaphanous negligee fabrics. Welcome to the era of the he halter. Jacob Gallagher wrote the article. I wonder what he thinks. There's no no opinion in here, is there? It's just a description of the feminization, uh, literal feminization of men. So here's an interesting question. Let's even talk about the woke, the young woke. 45% of young Americans are apparently woke. So if a girl went on a date on the assumption that, that the word is even usable and is not merely suggestive of 
a dried fruit. If a girl went on a date, let's say a, a, a 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old woman went on a date and the man showed up wearing one of these, would she think, wow? I, I, I'm, by the way, this is an actual question. Do you think, I know that most women who were in touch with their being women would find the man repulsive. Uh, uh, the question is, would a woke young woman seeking a man on the, on the assumption that there are woke women seeking men, how would they react if a guy showed up wearing female-like clothing? I'm going to have to ask Julie that question. I'd love to ask any, any young women in our lives. See, this is just part of the teardown. I finally can answer the question, what does leftism want? And the answer is the, dis- the destruction of norms. It doesn't, it doesn't have an end game. The all, leftism is destruction. I came up with this as, a, as an answer. I mean, I've always said everything the left touches, it destroys. But I never, isn't that odd? Saying that good chunk of my life, and I never quite was able to say that is leftism. The destruction of all norms. A man wearing a, a good-looking suit a, a jacket and tie, nice shirt, button-down shirt, and slacks. This repulses leftists. Doesn't repulse liberals. I always make the distinction. Of course, electorally, the distinction doesn't exist. Liberals vote left because they don't vote their values. Another one of my constant themes, because the only way people will remember it is if I say it regularly. The left votes their values and conservatives vote their values and liberals do not. That is the reason for the calamity of America, the liberal, because the liberal is naive and often weak. Plus brainwashed. That's the problem. But they're very nice. Many of them are very nice. Very nice. What did they used to say? When I was a kid, they used to say in New York City where I grew up, that and 15 cents will get you a cup of coffee. That's a perfect, <laughs> perfect statement <laughs> with regard to liberals. They're nice. Nice and 15 cents. Well, right now, nice and 250 will get you a cup of coffee. It's depressing, actually, that this is what is going on, but if you understand it, it is worthwhile. I, I, I'm very curious. If I will see, I live in Los Angeles, and I wonder if I will see any men wearing this stuff. You have to understand the role of boredom in human society. Again, a theme that I have noted all of my life. Boredom is a very major factor in society, and leftists are bored. So change excites them. There's an adrenaline rush when you destroy. 
you you even have it. If you if you watch a video on the internet of a building being blown up, uh, not not even in war, just I'm just saying it had to be blown up. There's an excitement to it. Leftism is exciting. It's for it's for the board. B O R E D. Because little of the of beauty excites them. Shakespeare doesn't excite them. Beethoven doesn't excite them. Beauty doesn't excite them. The Bible doesn't excite them. Religion is dormant or dead. So they need they need to be excited. Destroying is exciting. Okay. That was a good example, obviously. God, there is so much to report to you. American flag causes anxiety for a professor at Marquette University. (laughs) Oh, boy. A Marquette University professor says he gets anxious when he sees an American flag. I would say about this professor, he is merely honest. I believe that it makes all leftists anxious. The American flag. Listen, a a mural of Shakespeare made the Department of English at University of Pennsylvania anxious. Philosophy professor Grant Silva made the comments for a Flag Day segment yesterday on WUWM, a national public relation affiliate, public radio affiliate in Milwaukee. I'm thinking about the fact that the government funds NPR. Do you realize how absurd that is? As if we lack left-wing media, the government needs to do that. And talking about the government, I'll return to the flag because this is related I saw a picture. Uh, you're sure that wasn't photoshopped? The White House having the LGBT flag? No, it was not. No, no, no. That's, 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 that's a real thing? That's a real thing. Has the, has the White House of the United States ever featured another flag than the U.S.? You don't know, and I don't know. If you're a listener right now, it was the center. There were two flags. It was the centerpiece flag at the White House. We should put that up too. There is no cause that I am aware of that the residents of the President of the United States ever honored with a flag up that that I am aware of. I'd like to know. You know, there used to be a nationalist still, as I assume, National Bible Week in the United States. I think the White House would put up a flag with a Bible. (laughs) All right, Colby, if you have an answer to that.
Nefarious, the number one movie on Salem Now, is available to rent today. My wife and I strongly recommend this film. Nefarious comes from the filmmakers behind God's Not Dead and Unplanned. Sue and I turned it on. I thought I'd watch it for 20 minutes just to know what it was about. The movie was so riveting, I finished it. And I actually had lunch with one of the stars. I'm crazy about this film. Sean Patrick Flannery and Jordan Belfi give Oscar-level performances in this movie based on the book by Steve Deese. The woke critics hated it, but audiences have given it a 96% approval. And here are what others are saying. Matt Walsh, the filmmaker behind What is a Woman, calls it excellent. Dinesh D'Souza calls it captivating, suspenseful, and profound. Charlie Kirk says the psychological and spiritual thriller may be a movie, but it contains far more truth about the reality of our world than most would like to admit. Visit Salem Now or your favorite video platform to rent Nefarious today, even though it's still in theaters. If you want to rent for your church or large group, visit Movie night.com to rent it today okay mendy in atlanta georgia hello hi dennis it's actually mandy short for amanda you know it's my error i'm so sorry mandy yes hi that's okay no problem but dennis i'm very interested what do you think about menswear inspired women's fashion does the bible say that women are not allowed to wear trousers or or anything sort of masculine? The Bible says that men shall not wear women's clothing that's specific, and women are not to wear what is specific to men, such as uh, some type of uh, sword-like thing that might have uh, been a symbol of, of a man. It is not specific. It does not, it's not symmetrical the actual law it it is very interesting you see if a if a woman wore a a male uh, suit and jet okay. and tie that would i think violate the spirit of that of that verse but if if it's if it's shape forming and doesn't look like a man is wearing it um, uh, you know i i think it skirts the border of violation of the law what is clear is the Bible is specific. Men should look like men and women like women. Then the people who don't think clearly, i.e., uh, the left, they will say, well, you know, in X, Y, or Z society, men wore skirts. That's correct. So in that society, the way that that skirt was made, it was clear it was a man wearing it. The issue is your society. That, that is the way we determine who is violating that law. If your society has man-like clothing, men should wear them. And if it has female-like clothing, women should wear that. However, the left, remember, the left's business is to destroy all norms. That is the only intent of the left. It is the world of the adrenaline seeker. They have nothing. They build nothing. They destroy everything. It's, it's a phenomenon so I was reading to you about this professor at Marquette University who says that the American flag makes him, makes him anxious. So his name is Silva, S-I-L-V-A, Grant Silva. He's a philosophy professor, and uh, he is black, very light black, so I assume he's of, of mixed racial background, but he identifies and can do so as a black and therefore it makes him anxious. 
Yeah. For, I'm black American, and over the past few years, I've continued to analyze what the American flag means to me, especially considering the growth in extremism post-Trump presidency and those extremists using the American flag against people of color to say they're the real Americans. What? So, as almost always with the left, I never get an example that makes sense, that makes this sensible to me. My task, I've always believed, is I make a generalization and then I give you a specific. So I'd like to understand this idea. So when, when black members of the armed forces march with the flag, are they sellouts, Professor Silva? I'm curious. And what does this mean, using the American flag against people of color? You think that the, the vast majority of people who put the flag out on July 4th or put the flag out on Memorial Day, do you think, the Professor, that the vast majority of them are using that flag against people of color? If you took a secret ballot of everyone who put out a flag on July 4th in front of their home, let's say, if you took a secret ballot, what percentage do you think would be happy if black Americans also put the flag out? And what percentage do you think would be unhappy if blacks put the flag out in front of their homes? What do you, listener, think? What, what do my black listeners think? Do you think that the average home putting out a flag on a national holiday would be happy or unhappy if blacks did the same thing? Yeah, I'm giving you time to think that one through. Although, in my opinion, you don't need much time. They would be thrilled. I learned this very early on when I speak in front of so many conservative groups. And I've, I've said for years, for decades, if you're black and you're not feeling all that loved, attend a conservative event. You will get more love from more people than you might have experienced in the last five years from anyone. There is no more loved group than minorities attending conservative events. This professor doesn't know what he's talking about, but he's a bored professor of philosophy and he's a man of the left. So let me continue his observations. Let's see. Who is she, by the way? Oh, host Taryn Powell. That's the she. Is Taryn Powell also black on NPR? Take a look. T-E-R-A-N Powell. She discussed the anxiety Powell had surrounded by excessive American flags. She shared her own anxiety about seeing American flags in Illinois when she was traveling with a friend. And both of us were like, yeah, we need to... Yeah, she's black. Right. That's what I thought. It it wouldn't have made sense. Yeah, we need to hurry up and leave. And I thought about it like, why did we feel like that? Black people for generations have dealt with tension with the American flag, Powell said in her write-up of the interview. Our feelings were nothing new. But I asked Silva what he thought, and he said he's had similar experiences. Well... 
I understand that during the age of Jim Crow, what, what does that flag represent to me, a black American? On the other hand, I'd like to ask Taryn Powell another question. Where would it be better for you on Earth than America? Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free offer with promo code Prager. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listeners square to the buy one, get one free offer. Enter promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 to get your MyPillow 2.0 now. This is really worth analysis. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. I don't want to neglect that. I'm just going to mention this and then move on and and then continue with this professor who finds that the American flag induces anxiety in him. This is really worth analyzing because of the whole issue of does the flag unite or divide? And for the left, it divides. And it's supposed to be everybody's flag. But anyway, the issue that I cannot neglect is the new era in which we Americans live of the the pursuing of criminal charges against a former president and the leading opposition, the leader of the opposition. This happens in thuggish countries. The left is making us a thuggish country. You can tell me all the things about, oh, well, he kept these things, he kept these classified documents. The, the number of people who've kept classified documents after leaving office, including Joe Biden after leaving the vice presidency, is quite large. I'm not defending what Donald Trump did. I'm defending the United States of America against becoming a police state with political prisoners, people who entered on January 6th and stayed rotting in prison, whereas people who stab people are let out on bail, and then people who protect people are arrested, like the case of Jordan Neely. Is that his name, Jordan? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Marine who protected people, including blacks on the New York subway. There will be more violence as a result of this because who is going to now intervene? What if you intervene and the guy gets hurt? Not not even killed. He just gets hurt. Why will you not be charged with assault and battery? The combination of having men wear feminine clothing, like at the, the opening comments I made about the Saint Laurent fashion show, and the arresting of men who do protect others 
the hatred of masculinity, of traditional masculinity on the left is part of we will destroy all norms. That is, that, name me a norm, a societal norm that the left does not want to destroy. The nuclear family, religion, patriotism, heteronormativity. They even say they're against heteronormativity. They, they say that. that it's a, heteronormativity is a negative on the left, meaning that the male-female bond and the forming of a family rooted in the male-female marital bond is wrong. That is not to be normative. Everything is normative. So this is the professor who was anxious about the flag. As much as I would like to see the flag displayed in a proud manner, by the way, let's invite him on, okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm publicly announcing we're going to invite this professor on. As much as I would like to see the flag displayed in a proud manner, it all too quickly takes on the stakes that as a non-white person can mean a lot, right? Do you understand that? No, 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 I'm not being cute. What does it mean? As a non-white person, it takes on the stakes. It can mean a sense of inclusion or exclusion. A sense of belonging or the ascription of perpetual foreigner, perpetual outsider status that the flag is not for me unless I'm willing to abide by the assimilatory paradigm, that's professorial talk, the assimilatory, I know what it means, because I went to graduate school. I not only studied Russian and Arabic, I studied leftist, which is its own language. I'm willing to abide by the assimilatory paradigm that some of these individuals that you're talking about tend to put forward. By the way, for the record, I do put out an assimilatory paradigm. Yes, I still believe in the melting pot. And I'm a very big keeper of the traditions of my group. I preserve Jewish traditions and religion, but I am an American. And I put out the American flag. What, 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 what is the issue, Professor? Why is that so complex? Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager here. And on behalf of all those who work on the Dennis Prager Show, I want to wish you a wonderful weekend. <laughs> a completely useless comment. I fully acknowledge that. On the other hand, in the age of absurdity, the absurd is important. So I, I really hope this professor comes on the show. He, the one who's anxious, the black professor, he's anxious when he sees the flag. And he, he doesn't like the, I love the words, I'm going to keep them, the assimilatory paradigm. That's the key here. He wants to remain distinct from the American norm. He's a classic leftist. 
He's been officially invited. He's been officially invited already? I just want you all to know that, okay? He already was invited by my producer. Uh, at Vegas right now, by the way, there you should know this. There is an odds, yes. There, you can bet on what leftist will accept an invitation to my show. <laughs> now, by the way, there is a part of me that thinks he will say yes. I, 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 normally, I, I know it's a given that they'll say no. I think we have a 30-70 chance that that he will uh he he I would say that we he has we have the chance of his coming on that the Florida Panthers had in winning the Stanley Cup. <laughs> All right, let's see here. You have some intelligent calls I believe, so I I want to Mario in Tampa, Florida. Hello Mario. Hey there, sir. How are you? Well, thank you. Yes, I mean, I really, really enjoy listening to your show, and I want to thank you for being an advocate for freedom. Uh, I am of Hispanic descent, born in Puerto Rico, and I embrace the freedoms that I have here. The flag does not intimidate me one bit. I think we have to be open to accept the freedoms that we have, as opposed to allowing, you know, things to get in the way of, uh, you know, you accepting who you are here. I mean, you're free. You yes, that's right. That's exactly it. I thank you. Well said. It represents to this gentleman of Puerto Rican descent freedom. It doesn't represent race. That, that's the problem with the black and white left. They have racialized the flag. They have racialized Beethoven. They have racialized Shakespeare. They racialize everything because every leftist is a fool. Every. The moment you leave being a fool, you are no longer a leftist. You could be a liberal. You could be a conservative. Assimilatory paradigm. I accept the assimilatory paradigm. That is what e pluribus unum is, one of the three models of the United States from many one. We want you in, Professor Why is that bad? We want you to identify as an American and proudly wave that flag. You have decided it is exclusionary, not the ones who wave the flag. Just for the record. Yes. Uh, Let's see. Ron in Cleveland. Hello. Hello, Dennis. Thank you for taking my call. I'm just curious as to how the slaves felt during the Civil War when they saw the U.S. flag, for example, when Sherman was marching through Georgia. Of course, we know they quickly joined the forces to fight for America. What a great, what a great call. I'll ask the professor that. How do you think the slaves in the South reacted when they saw the Union flag? <laughs> How has uh, how how did Koreans react seeing the American flag when the communists tried to take over the entire Korean peninsula in, in the 1950s? Why did people in Hong Kong wave the American flag 
God, I'd like to remember to ask all these questions if the professor comes on. Why would people who are Chinese, they're not white, they're, they're living in a, a, another place on earth, why did they wave the flag that you find anxiety driving? Why didn't it bring freedom lovers in Hong Kong anxiety? Why did it bring them peace? The American flag represented peace to people in Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, let's see. Birmingham, oh, Bloomington, Minnesota. Is that name? Is that Brett? Hello, Brett. Hello, Dennis. Thanks for taking my call. I so appreciate this topic. Dennis, I am a professional licensed therapist. I don't think it should require someone uh, of my background to notice this, but flags do not cause anxiety. Objects in general do not cause anxiety. And I, I'm just really concerned because it's part of a larger narrative in our culture that if I'm having a negative emotion, you are responsible for my emotions. And good one. I, I, good that, one. Are you, are you a therapist? Yeah, I am. Do your, I'm curious. I don't care what the answer is. Do, do your patients know your political leanings? Uh, no, they, they don't. They don't need to. Right. I agree. I totally agree. That's why I was curious. That's exactly yeah, right. It's, well, it's, it's a matter of responsibility, and I'm concerned yes. that he, he advocates his responsibility for the meaning he's ascribing, like you just said. No, no, that's beautiful. I, I, it's really a terrific call. Uh, that is the narcissism of all leftism. I feel... Therefore, it is the reality. I feel excluded. Therefore, the American flag excludes. I feel I'm a woman. Therefore, I'm a woman. Ah, hermanos Gutierrez. I got it right? I am totally shocked. Hello, my dear friends. God, is this an important piece to why I've spent the time. I like to go into depth in issues, as you probably well know, my dear listeners. Because then, then we understand the animating impulses of the world in which we live. This professor who's describing in severe but somewhat eloquent English. The anxiety that he, as a non-white, has it when seeing the American flag. <laughs> what really bothers him is the assimilatory paradigm, to use his words. That's correct. Professor, we would love you and love me to assimilate. Assimilate does not mean give up whatever other identity you want to preserve. I, I observe every Jewish holiday, every biblical holiday. I don't work on any biblical holiday. I speak fluent Hebrew. And I have, I have however, fully adopted an American identity and put out the American flag on July 4th. Louis D. Brandeis, this, the 
the Supreme Court justice, after whom the university which disgraces his name is named, Brandeis University, he, he said, I think it was, what was it, in the 1930s or 40s he would have said this? Brandeis. L- Louis Brandeis? Could have been earlier than that. He could have been even earlier. He said, he was talking to a Jewish audience, said, to be a good Jew is to be a good American. To be a good American is to be a good Jew. There's a man who became a Supreme Court justice, maintained a Jewish identity, and was fully assimilated as an American. The idea that a black cannot assimilate into the, the, the American experiment and people? This means race matters more than values. The, in the final analysis, almost all racism in this country is left-wing. That's the paradigm. Since you like the word, yours, professor, is a race-based paradigm. Assimilatory fa- the assimilatory paradigm doesn't give a damn about race. Are you all singing? That's the question, ladies and gentlemen. Sean, you're sounding great. You have quite a voice. I never knew that. That ad app did up. Here we go. It's the happy, 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 happy hour. Yes, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been away. A rare, rare missing of Fridays. I try never to miss a Friday show because of the happiness hour. I know how much it means to many of you. By the way, I know this is going to sound self-serving. I couldn't care less. I know, missed two Fridays, yeah. The number of people who tell me that my book on happiness changed their lives is as is equal to those who say that about the Bible commentary. And uh, I only mention this to you. I don't. I truly don't care. This is such not a monetary note, so that I make money on a sold copy of Happiness is a Serious Problem. As far as I'm concerned, get a used copy. Then I get no royalties. Fine. But uh, it, it's, a, it's truly a puzzle to me that you are, are affected by the happiness hour and didn't read my book on happiness. Happiness is a serious problem is the name. Anyway, happiness is a virtue. Happiness is a moral pursuit. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The giants who founded America encoded that in the Declaration of Independence. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God, were they brilliant. When I think of the moral midgets who, who dismiss them, it, it, look, midgets hate giants. I'm not talking about the physical world. The intellectual and moral midgets hate the giants. It's a rule of life. And that's why they hate the founders. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
The happy make the world better, the unhappy make it worse. You've heard this every week because it's true. That's why there are no happy leftists. There are happy liberals, there are happy conservatives. There are unhappy conservatives and unhappy um, liberals. But all leftists are unhappy. If they got happy, they would leave the left. That's the way it works. Every extremist movement that has caused harm was composed of unhappy people. Happiness is a big deal. So I have a, I think it's a new one. Have I ever actually addressed this? Certainly not with the name that we've come up with here. I have a so what solution to the problem of unhappiness. You have to be able to say so what more often in life to be a happy person. The more that things bother you, and, I, and I'm not talking about moral issues of society. Some of those should bother you. They bother me. But I'm, I'm talking mostly in the micro, in your daily life. The more that bothers you, the more unhappy you will be. That's, that's fairly definitive. Uh, it's fairly obvious, correct? So the key to embracing the so what solution is to understand that just because you feel something doesn't mean you should feel something. <laughs> do and should are different. You do feel X, but you shouldn't feel X. Or if you just go, so what? What, what is it we say about people that are very difficult to live with, that we walk on eggshells? Why? Because they're incapable of saying, so what? You don't know what will trigger them, to use a woke phrase. What will trigger their annoyance, anger, temper, anxiety? Because they can't say, so what? Okay, it's the way it is. I embrace this at such an early age, and I think it's—I think I'm lucky because I also think it's built into my nature. I think it's both intellectually arrived at, and part of my nature. There, are th- it, it, generally in life, I have embraced the idea of so what. Now, in, there are horrible things that can happen. You can't say so what. It's, it would be an inappropriate response. You you get a uh, you you get a diagnosis from a doctor that you have a terminal illness. I don't expect you to say so what. But the more you can say that in life, the happier you will be. And you will realize that it's an appropriate response. In effect, I'm saying in, in different words, the more that you allow to bother you, the more you will be bothered, the more you will be unhappy. You have to let things bounce off. 
doesn't mean that you walk through life apathetic. God forbid. But you have to know when to make a big deal. I don't even mean to others, even to yourself. When is it a big deal and and when can you say, okay, so what? That's why I developed the, the attitude, if nothing's horrific, life is terrific. I don't expect you to say, so what, to horrific things. But otherwise... I do. I strongly advise that. If you could think of a so what that you've uh, you've engaged in, it would be it would be fun to give another person's example of it. I I have I have really fine tuned that ability. If people said that more in marriage, oh my God, marriages would be so much better. I have a feeling that a lot of you are tempted to say if your spouse is frequently bothered by you, is it really worth being bothered? Now, some things are. And people should be open about what disturbs them. It's a fine line that one has to walk. But what is the proverbial that he, you know, this is... Because it's proverbial, meaning it's like a proverb, it's eternal, I'll use it. So your husband leaves his socks on the floor. Now, I'm not saying that that disturbs all women, but if it disturbs you and he's a good man, so what? And likewise, and it's some habits that she might have. Everybody has habits that the, the, the spouse, the partner, doesn't have. <laughs> it's, it, it's inevitable. It, it, it's universal. And so you, you just adapt. And, and you can say, so what? Now, you can't say, people are incapable of saying, so what, if they don't like the person. <laughs> that, then everything is a big deal. <laughs> so the issue is not the issue. The issue is you don't like the person. Isn't that true? People we don't like, virtually anything they do, we don't like. People we like, we overlook. And that's the way it should be. That's where so what must apply. So the issue is not, can you say so what? The issue is, do you like your spouse? (laughs) If you don't like your spouse, uh, there is no recommendation here that could work. By the way, I said like. As you know, if you're a faithful listener, it's one of my favorite words in the English language. Most languages don't have a word for like. Like is usually more important than love. Everybody loves their kids or kid. A lot of people don't like them. That's a biggie. You like your wife, you like your husband. So what is a marriage enhancer? It's a marriage enhancer in all of life. It's at work as well. 1-8 Prager 776-877-243-7776. Can you incorporate this? In other words, do you find you're bothered a lot? Remember, 
I'm a big believer that we can, in fact, control our feelings. Because the only choice is your feelings control you. Bad idea. Keep on smiling. And the world will smile. The Happiness Hour on the Dennis Prager Show every Friday, second hour. By the way, you can hear decades of The Happiness Hour at PragerTopia.com. And of the Male Female Hour. You know, I had a guest on this week. And a major writer, economist, and he said to me, my, my wife, he said, is a very big fan of yours. She regards your Male Female Hour as marital therapy, which it is. But I was very touched that that he said that. So the happiness hour is available at PragerTopia.com, as is so much else of all my broadcasts, and you can hear them all commercial-free. PragerTopia.com. The name of this edition of the happiness hour is the so what solution the bigger the bigger point even than saying so what the bigger point is you determine what you allow to bother you people never think that way they they have an emotional reaction and they live with it they think it's real and it is real as an emotion but it, it's it has a life of its own, and you can control it. You can say, I, don't, I will not be bothered by it, and then that happens. You don't know how liberating it is to live the life of a mind rather than the life directed by feelings. Feelings are important. Feelings are sort of like Physical pain. What is the purpose of pain? Purpose of pain is to tell you that something needs to be looked at. And so feelings have a role, obviously. (laughs) if, If there are no feelings, you become artificial intelligence. That's the great difference between artificial intelligence and us. But you have the ability to say, I will not allow that feeling to control me. I monitor the feeling to know what pain I have or what pleasure. And in this case, it's pain because you don't say, so what about pleasure? And it works. You can do it. All right, let's see. Cindy, Columbus, Ohio, the famous Cindy of Columbus. Hello. Hi, Dennis. I love you. Oh, Um, great. Thank you. So there was a group of us, mothers and daughters, we were out of town for an athletic competition. And one of the moms had made just a dinner reservation for a group. And my daughter and I, we had traveled all day. We were tired, so we ended up just canceling, saying, you know, we're not going to go. You guys go ahead and have fun. So it ended up another group of moms canceled as well. And the one mother that made the reservation, she came back from dinner and completely raged on me that I had made her daughter cry 
Um, How dare I cancel it? Her daughter wanted to be there with her friends. And the first thought that came to my mind was, so what? The daughter cried? How old was the daughter? 13. Oh. See, that, yeah. that's a great example of the mother doing a very bad yes, thing sir. in raising her, her daughter. The, yeah. the mother should have said, this is not worth crying about. Yeah. That's the appropriate parental response. You, you should learn when to cry. There's my whole, the, everything that I believe, it, it, it depends on the mind. The mind and values. You're crying about a canceled dinner? Give me a break. This is why I love you, Dennis. Exactly. <laughs> I tell my the same thing. Save your tears for something important. Ah, well, I love you too then. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> oh, God. What's going on here, Sean? My, my, it's not working. I can't X out a call. No, 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 it's not an issue. It's uh, It has to be attended to. I'm going to try to open it up again. Anyway, I, I did love her. That, 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 is, the, that is exactly the uh, way it should be. Sorry, folks, as usual, there's a technical glitch. I, 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 uh, I can't see one call now on my board. Oh, all right. Line four. Who is on line four? Julie in Camarillo, California. Hi. Hi. Good morning. You too. I, I, I have to tell you something really quickly. My husband used to drop all his dirty clothes on the floor. He loved him to death. He had a partly worn shirts, worn a few hours. He had all these different piles, and it was coming on to my side of the room. And I said, listen, if he was my boyfriend, would I care about his dirty socks? Would I say a word to him? No. So how can I fix this? So I said, Gary, how about you keep your dirty clothes? You want to keep them on the floor? Great. I don't want to see them on my side of the bed. Keep them on your side of the bed. And it became a fun thing. We found a way to compromise. And, and not have it be an issue. And let me tell you, he passed away in 2015. Do you think I care anymore about his dirty socks? Would I rather have him back? Yes, I would. Yeah, that's a very powerful call. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, we have a problem here, Sean. And, uh, okay, thank you. Well, my producer... Dear friend Alan Estrin, the living martyr, was telling me, and I I lived through this with him when his, he had a truly beloved older brother, and he was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and it killed him in his in his fifties. And what what he said to me during the break was, that's when I learned. And tell me if I'm paraphrasing you correctly i learned what to be bothered by and what not to be bothered by yeah Yeah, she would like her husband back with the dirty laundry having said that i I just want to say that it goes in both directions if we're talking male female relations my wife 
believes that the bathroom looks better when the toilet seat is closed. So she asked me if I would close it, which most men don't. And I thought, why not? What, what do I care? If, if she thinks the bathroom looks better with the toilet seat down, I'll put the toilet seat down. <laughs> so the so what goes in, in both directions. Back in a moment. When it comes to your family's health, proactivity is key. With the world becoming increasingly unpredictable, you can't afford to take chances when it comes to your health. Introducing the Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit, the gold standard solution for your peace of mind. Inside, you'll find eight critical medications like ivermectin, amoxicillin, z and more, accompanied by a comprehensive and easy-to-follow guidebook empowering you to take back control of your health. From tick bites to COVID to extreme bioterror events, you're covered at any time. The Wellness Company's chief medical board is made up of none other than Dr. Drew Pinsky, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Harvey Risch, and more truth-telling doctors who are committed to building a parallel healthcare system. This medical emergency kit will be your lifeline. Visit twc.health slash Prager. Use the promo code Prager for an exclusive 10% discount. Secure your family's health today with the Wellness Company's medical emergency kit. Oh, son of Coach Charlie, drives an 87 Harley, sells gasoline and watch you drink 8 to 3 a.m. Got a tattoo for the core and ex-wife number four. Humming along, schooling you on the songs on his station. He could be another one cussing the government, nobody smiles. Got a hundred reasons not to, but he's the poster child for happy years. As happy does. Hi, everybody. Happiness Hour, second hour every Friday. Dennis Prager here. I'm ruminating, if you will, thinking about reviewing, do what women do, review conversations. When I'm reviewing one, the woman who called about the canceled dinner that a friend's daughter and her friends were looking forward to, and the daughter, 13, was crying, and I said if I were the mother, or obviously father, I would have said, it's nothing to cry about. I am. I, I would bet a, a large sum of money that that is not what most parents would say. They would try to comfort their daughter. They would honor their feelings with even perhaps even a consolation prize. You know what? Well, I'm going to take you to a really good restaurant because of that, or we'll do X. Instead of, you know what? Life is filled with disappointments. And if canceled dinner is the worst disappointment you ever suffer you will be the luckiest human to have ever lived on this planet. And the girl will not be happy with your response, might even be annoyed. Parents who do not annoy their children at any time are crappy parents. And they don't. These days, well, it's been for 50 years. Most parents just want to be loved by their child. The worst possible attitude to have if you want to make a good human being out of your child. Anyway, the program or the episode of the Happiness Hour is the so what idea. I I ended with the toilet seat issue, and it goes in all directions, the so what. So here's an interesting one. 
My wife wants the toilet seat down. I, being a guy, left it up. She would prefer it down. So who should say, so what? Should she have said, so what? All right, so he leaves it up, so what? Should I have said, so what? So she wants it down. What does it cost me to leave the toilet seat down? So who, so what, do we honor? And by the way, had I not done it, I think she would have, yeah, she would have. She would have, well, so what? What am I going to do? And moved on with life. But I'm the one who said, so what? Because of another rule that is more for the male-female hour than for the happiness hour, but they are certainly related. So here is my rule. When there is a difference between a couple on an issue, the one, I'm talking about some mundane issue, what restaurant to go to, or what movie to watch, or whether the toilet seat should be up or down, the one who, one of two things, either makes better arguments or feels more passionate about it, should generally win. And my wife won on both grounds on the toilet seat issue. She made good arguments. I'm always persuaded by good arguments. So was she, by the way. And it... She was more passionate about it. I wasn't passionate about not putting this toilet seat down. I'd be an idiot to be passionate about it. Her argument was, the bathroom looks nicer. She's right. I now do it in my own hotel room when no one's there. <laughs> That's how much of the habit I am. And it is nicer. It's just aesthetically nicer. I'm, I'm into aesthetics. So there you had two people who could have said, so what? And I gave you some thoughts on who so what should be used. All right, let's see here. The famous Byron of Jacksonville, Florida. Hello there in northern Florida. How are you? I'm fine. How about you? Excellent. Actually, I wanted to ask you, I have actually two things. I, the atomic bomb used to bother me a lot. And then I decided when I was 28 years old that I was not going to worry about it anymore. I wanted to have a family. Oh, you mean the possibility bomb. of a nuclear war? You, you're not, yeah, you're not talking about Hiroshima. The fact that, okay. the, fact that the 20th century has been a very violent... Right. I, I got you. I got you. I got to just take a break. We shall return in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. Let Dennis be Dennis. There was a young woman on the arts, young meaning in her 30s, I would, I would imagine, on the cruise that I recently took, and she wore a T-shirt, and it had Let Dennis Be Dennis on it. Let Dennis be Dennis. Uh, hi, everybody. This is the Hour of Cynthia General. Whatever's on your mind about you, about me, about life, about death. And needless to say, enjoy the music first. That's right. Call in on anything you want. Oh, apropos, perfectly apropos of the last hour. 
if I if I let your call go and don't take it, you have to say so what? You can't be offended because it's not meant to be offensive for whatever reason. It just may not 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 fit the hour. You know, if you want to talk to me about uh, let us say uh, the Peloponnesian War. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know enough about it to intelligently uh, have a discourse with you. That's my point. one prager 776-877-243-7776. Needless to say, we welcome calls on photography, fountain pens. It's been a while. Uh, fountain pens, cigars. Hey, Sean, I need your help. I did cigars, fountain pens. And uh, what did I do? What did I, and photography and photographic. Oh, audio equipment. And oh, classical music has always been. Yeah, I thought that as. Do you know that it's been. Uh, Alan just told me I missed six Fridays. I was just. No, in a row. I had, I had, uh, yes, um, let's see, uh, Minneapolis, Munich, Germany, Biblical Holiday, um, Bulgaria, Serbia, and now, yeah, I've never, it's never happened, it has never happened. So, folks, call in on whatever's on your mind. You might have forgotten that that's what Fridays are about, or at least the third hour. All right, I want to take some calls here. So, I told uh, Bob in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, to hang on because I wanted to take his call. So, here he is. Hello, Bob. Hey, Dennis. Yes, sir. Uh yeah, I was just if I know if I understand right, you don't have any daughters, do you? Yeah, correct. Sons. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I just thought it was a little rough uh, saying uh, so what to this thirteen-year-old girl, and without understanding the full story, uh, you know, I, I, I look at the mother who loves you, and I, and I love you too. I want to have a cigar with you someday. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Uh, I just want the whole story. I mean, is this? The popular daughter that everybody loves, and the girl that is thirteen was very disappointed. All of a sudden, are very excited to have this dinner date with these friends. That oh, I'm so and so is coming, and she cancels, and it sounded like somebody else canceled after she did. So I can understand why she got really disappointed. And I understand that so too. I, I do. Yeah. No, no, no. The, uh, the so what was the name of the episode? I I, right. I said. I, it's very. Let me go back to an, an interesting aspect of your call. You asked me if I had daughters, and, and you and I said no, I have sons. So, obviously, I think I infer from your question that you would be okay if I said that to a son who was thirteen. Um. Uh. You know. I. I <laughs> It's, well, it's, it's a good question because I do have sons. I mean, I have a few nephews, but it all, it does seem that the emotion side of it for girls at that age is a lot different than boys. Entirely accurate. So thank you. It's a very important call to me. So that is exactly why 
it's so important to tell the girl to control her emotions. This has been a theme of mine all of my broadcast life. We raise boys to control their natures. We don't raise girls to control their natures. Feminism, or just plain idiocy, has run rampant in our society, and a lot of people have accepted the notion that girls or females are inherently better than males. So we have to work on boys controlling themselves, but not girls on controlling themselves. The result is the disproportionate number of women who are doing staggering damage to our society, especially to children. The disproportionate, highly disproportionate number of female teachers in elementary schools, the ones who support the uh, the drag queen story hours for five-year-olds, the ones who are into the preferred pronoun world, the female pediatricians, over, overwhelmingly uh, females, uh, who are pushing, not just allowing for quote-unquote gender-affirming, utterly damaging uh, medical intervention in children's lives. And so we are paying the price for not teaching women to control their emotions. We teach men to control their sexual predatory nature and their violent streak. What do we teach girls to control? So if my 13-year-old daughter burst into tears, I would explain, I, I, I totally get your disappointment, but some things are worth crying about and some things are not worth crying about. And you decide what to cry about. That means you are in charge of your emotions. I can't think of a better thing to teach a girl. Okay, let's see here. I told this guy to hang on too. Jonathan in Prescott, Arizona, on the cursing call. Hi. Hi, Prager, Dennis Prager. Um, I've been wanting to ask you this for a while because I, I, your moral compass and your views on ethic, your ethical views seem to always kind of align rather perfectly with mine as well as people that I'm around. And those people that I'm around have a tendency to cuss a lot. And I remember seeing studies, um, most of them anecdotal, but I believe there are scientific studies showing that uh, cussing can help relieve stress in stressful situations, can help you make like tolerate things better, maybe even say, so what? Um, and I wanted your take on cussing in general and in if it's more appropriate in specific situations. Yeah, I have, I have strong feelings, or I shouldn't even say feelings. I have strong opinions on this. So first of all, context is king. So let's begin with this. As I've, I've said over and over, if a piano falls, uh, a piano leg or the leg of a piano falls on your toe and your reaction is, gosh darn it, you are a better man than me. Uh, if you let out an explicative, expletive, I I would s- completely understand it. In fact, I would sort of even expect it. Okay. Having said that, I am not a fan of regular cursing. The other extreme is actually not even just regular cursing. It is public. I am completely opposed to public cursing with the exception of uh, of a theatrical experience, like comedians who mm-hmm. use it. I happen to think that the best comedians do not need to rely on cursing. 
and and that uh, I, I am certain is true. So context matters. I am opposed in public. It's a very bad thing. There are people who use the F word on T-shirts now. That is mm-hmm. a breakdown in society. That is how severe. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you do. Now, as to your the direct answer to your question, is it a stress reliever? Yeah, but like all stress relievers, you you can come to rely on it, and that's not a good idea. As a general rule, I am more impressed with people who don't curse uh, than who do. Uh, but I'm not talking about never. I mean, right, they, right. They, they, well, I, I was in the Navy for almost 15 years, and because of that, that became part of my, my lexicon. Uh, and right. That's how I spoke rather rather quickly. But then a few years ago, I met my wife, and she has three kids that I had to obviously be around and help raise and be a part of. Um, and I, I was able to, for the most part, at first, like cut my cutting out, except for being around certain situations. And I'm a lot better at it now, no matter what the situation, what the cause is being around them to say, gosh, darn it, or shoot or things like that, rather than the explicative version of that. However, I find myself in regular conversations feeling like I cuss more because I (laughs) to make up to make up for it. I see what kids will do to you. <laughs> As a rule, it's worth avoiding. That's my view. This is the hour you set the agenda, whatever's on your mind. I love this hour. We've got a number of issues. I'm going to continue on one that was already called on. Anthony in Chicago. Hello. <laughs> Hey, how you doing? Great. I just wanted to comment on that that daughter that was crying about not going to the dinner. I'm a father of two girls, and I feel like the parent confronting the other parent about that is completely unacceptable. Um, I raised my daughters to go for the number one spot. I let them know that disappointment is uh, something to be expected out of life. You know, I play sports and board games with them. I don't let them win because I need them to, to understand that that's not the way that life works. And I think that's what's wrong with the youth in America today is that these parents just baby them a little way too much. How old are they? Uh, my girls, my oldest is going to be 13 and my youngest just turned 10. Well, they're lucky. Is your wife on board? Oh, yes. She is the same way. She's just as competitive as I am, so she doesn't let them win. Um, we make sure we raise them with values. They see... So what would you say What would you say to the 13-year-old who started to cry because of the canceled dinner? Wipe your tears off. Wipe your tears off. That's life. It's part of life. You know, disappointment, it, it comes with it. And you just you make the best out of it as you can. Good man. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, He and I are in the minority uh, among parents. Obviously, I don't. uh, It it doesn't directly apply to me because I don't have a daughter. But it doesn't matter. That that is my attitude. There's no doubt that that's exactly what I would do. 
And the fascinating thing was the man who I think differed with me that he said, well, you know, you don't have uh, daughters. The implication was clear that it would be totally understandable if I said to a son, it's not something to cry about. But if I said it to a daughter, that's different. Well, that's that's a big deal. Yes. You're a, you're a girl. You've got all these emotions. They're just fine. They're not. Okay. Ojai, California, and Earl, the Earl of Ojai. Yes, hello, Dennis. Yes, sir. You were talking on Sunday uh, about love at first sight, and I didn't get a chance to call in. Not on Sunday. It was Wednesday. Yeah. I think the second hour, isn't that right? That's right. The male-female hour? Yeah, I thought you said Sunday, so I was just noting that I, oh, I don't broadcast I'll, I'll, Sundays. I, 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 uh, yeah. On, on Sunday, I was in Romania. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Oh, maybe you heard it on a Sunday. That's interesting. I, I, I Sean notes, yeah, because this is, it's recorded and played on, in many uh, hour slots. Okay, go ahead. Not important. Anyway, I was going to say there's a simple explanation for love at first sight. Yeah. Those two people loved each other in a previous life. Well, uh, I... Uh... I find uh, uh, the reason I'm hesitating to react is I don't agree, but I don't have a problem with people who believe that. And listen, it's it's certainly not disprovable. It's a very uh, widespread belief. My issue with it is that if I was here other times as another person, then Dennis Prager is irrelevant because only the soul counts and the soul's embodiment in me doesn't matter because whereas I'll disappear Look, I do believe in the eternality of the soul. I believe in a hereafter. And I but I believe that I will be me in the hereafter. Of course, I any speculation on this stuff is just speculation. On the other hand, there is there is something that is appealing about returning as a, as another individual, because if if you die, let's say, as a baby or a very young child, there is no you that has been established. You get a chance to establish a you if you come back as somebody else. So I I I make I don't believe in it, but I don't have any objection to it. So. How does that strike you? Well, I agree with you about the soul being eternal. But the purpose of life is, as it says in the Bible, till we all reach the fullness of the stature of Christ. 
Well, nobody can reach the fullness of the stature of Christ in one life. Nobody can in a hundred lives. That's why you have to live a great number of lives. Well, no. Well, all right. Well, the, yeah. Okay. That 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 part I have to say. It's not even. It's not a theological difference. It's a logical difference. To the Christian, Christ embodies perfection. It doesn't matter how many lives you live, you can't be perfect. You, you, I, I do believe you can be a good person in one life, but you can't be a perfect person in a thousand lives. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. The reincarnation issue is, is truly fascinating. And as I said, if you believe in it, I, I don't have any big issue. Phoenix and Rick. Hello, Rick. Hi, Dennis. Um, I was at the um, I was at a singles conclave many years ago when you uh, met Joel Alberson, and I was wondering. I remember he had phenomenal stereo. Wait, equipment. you mean wait? You're talking Kansas City? Um, yeah, it was in Kansas City, right? You were there. I was there. In fact, I kept telling Joel to not be so annoying with his questions to you. That's hilarious. <laughs> wait, do, do, does he know you now? Do you know him now? Um, I, I, haven't kept, I haven't kept in touch with him over the years. Well, you should. Uh, stay on, and, uh, and I'll give you contact information, because this is fascinating. Of course, it's not fascinating to any of you listening, because you don't know who Joel is, and you don't know what Kansas City was. Joel's a very dear friend. In fact, the, my Bible commentary is titled the Alperson uh, edition because uh, he, he is really the producer. I am the writer, obviously, but he has done everything to make this possible. And I'm incredibly uh, grateful to him for it. He's also a stereo nut like I am. In fact, we were both in Munich at the audio show a few weeks ago. And... I will tell you about Kansas City because it's a big deal in a moment. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager. So the last caller is remarkable. I guess I last saw him, I don't know, 35 years ago or met him. And we, I don't, we have not been in touch. But he mentioned, in light of the stereo issue, he mentioned... Joel Alperson, my dear friend, who's as crazy about audio equipment as I am. We both went to Munich to go to the audio show a few weeks ago, just to give you an idea. And Joel Alperson came to this weekend of young Jews that I spoke at in Kansas City, I guess 35 years ago, a... The reason I'm telling you this is I spoke on basically one subject all weekend to these young people, many of whom really didn't like what I had to say, which has been my sort of my life's story. Apparently, the the talks were so powerful, they certainly changed Joel Alperson's life. And they have, they were so powerful that I will be writing a book 
on that just using what I said that weekend as the jumping off point. It will be called tentatively at any rate, values over feelings meant to change young people's attitudes towards God, the necessity of God. It's very, it was very powerful. I'll tell you more about it as, as the, uh, as it unfolds. Very, very important. Okay, let's uh, take more calls on whatever subject uh, you would like. Carrie in Lansing, Michigan, hello. Hello, how are you, Dennis? Really, really well. (laughs) Well, I'm in the great state of Michigan, and the uh, mainstream media... And even our local media seems to have a lack of curiosity about the uh, battery plants that are coming in uh, in our communities. Uh, We have one that's uh, the people in Marshall, Michigan, they don't want it. Um, The farmer did not want to sell his farm. It was a a generational farm, but apparently the uh, powers that be at the state of Michigan, and I think you know who they are, they told him that they were going to uh, confiscate his property under eminent, eminent domain anyhow, whether he decided to sell it or not, but it would cost him a lot in legal fees to defend himself. So he was forced to sell his property. Uh, apparently, there was an American company that wanted to go in partners with Ford to build this brand new battery plant. And... They uh, decided to uh, go with the uh, a communist Chinese uh, company. And the sad part about this um, is, one, it's only less than 20 minutes from Michigan's, uh, well, you probably heard of first, or it was called Fort, it's called Fort Custer Military Base. It's still very active. And uh, it is only, like I said, 20 minutes away. It was very instrumental in training World War One, World All right, War so, II. Yeah, I mean, so wait, hold on. Let me understand. The Chinese will own the battery plant that will be placed in Michigan? Apparently, that is what uh, what. All right, so, uh, okay, I, I, didn't, I didn't know about this. The whole battery issue is extremely complex morally mm-hmm. and economically. Because so much uh, child labor and often slave labor is used to extract the materials to make a a battery, uh, but in this case, presumably it will be American workers who are making the battery, not Chinese. Correct. Well, this is the the, the kicker of it. Apparently, on I ninety four, Interstate ninety four, there's a sign that says, big billboard says, twenty five hundred jobs. I think it's Blue Coral Electric Battery Plant. And then in the corner, it says something about Ford. And what, uh, but what people are scratching their heads is because there's help wanted signs all around. And they're building a, um, like a manufactured home park. I mean, it's going up very quickly. That there's rumor that they're going to be importing labor. All right, well, that, that's a very big deal. I mean, look, I, the whole enrichment of China, thanks to the battery issue, is troubling to me about electric cars. 
but who will work there is, is very important. Hello, everybody. The hour that you call in on any subject you would like. And let's go to uh, some more of your calls here. El Segundo, California. Mike, hello. Hello, Dennis. Um, thank you very much for keeping us informed about all this transgender legislation and all the problems with it, as well as what these um, Dr. Mengele-type doctors are doing. I just want to inform you, in case you don't already know, because you have not mentioned it, to my knowledge, is California, um, two state legislators introduced the bill. It's Assembly Bill 665. It should have been number 666. And it allows um, school officials, it allows a psychologist, a um a social worker, and even just interns in those professions to take a child, instead of sending them home from school, to send them to a, a group home, where a shelter home, where they could then be put on track for transgender medical treatments. They claim it's only, well, they claim it's for psychological counseling purposes and additional services, and the additional services are not limited to prevent the child being put on a transgender conversion track. Yeah, I spoke yesterday at length about uh I don't remember. Is AB six something? So it might have well been this. Basically, as I understand it, you will be able to you you will be the state will be able to take your child away from you in a custody battle if you are the parent who does not want your child of eleven or eight or 12 to transition. If you say, my darling daughter, you're a girl, you can lose your child in a custody dispute because this has to be taken into account. They will make it easier to remove children from homes on this basis. While I would not characterize them as Dr. Mengele's, I do characterize them as monsters they are I read to you at length yesterday about a girl who had been repeatedly not just molested but raped by her constant alcoholic father until he committed suicide and as I said he committed it too late I wish he had committed it much earlier I don't know how this girl Endures life. I mean, she she is a my. I I had I had to fight tears reading you this long piece from National Review. And how much she says they encouraged her, all these psychologists, psychiatrists, and surgeons, to have her breasts removed when she was, I think, seventeen or sixteen. Her problems were her staggering abuse at the hands of. This drunk father. The mother was in the hospital much of the time while this happened. And she had her breasts removed and very shortly realized, I'm a girl. Why, why did they push this on me? And of course they push it on these kids. You're being lied to if, if they deny it. You're being lied to, Period. It's part of the decline, not just decline in standards, but decline in, in 
moral decency of the medical profession and every other profession. So yeah, these California bills, I, I will be covering them regularly. And I thank you for that call, Mike. Okay, let's see. The following call may well be bizarre, but I am taking it anyway. Jake in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. Do you know that Pennsylvania has the weirdest names of cities in any of any state? <laughs> Congratulations, right? Yep. Um, so you prefer clarity over agreement. That's and right. Obviously, I, I listen to the show. I have the Rational Bible. Big fan. Big thank, fan. Thank you. But I do... But I do hear you say, I am sure of this, like I'm sure that water is wet. Right. Correct. Water is not wet, Dennis. Go on. That's why we need. Well, I was angry with my seventh grade science teacher when he's telling me this malarkey about water is not wet. Okay, my my seventh grade science teacher's insane because he's saying water's not wet. Then he filled up a glass and showed us how you could fill it up where the water is above the rim of the glass and it doesn't overflow because it's not wet. It needs something to be wet. That's why we use soap. That's why we use detergent. That's why we use any of those things. And it, it took a while. And uh, thankfully, I'm not an expert because you don't like those people, and that's good. But, uh, yeah, get a scientist on or something to explain it better than uh, my seventh-grade science teacher did. But he proved it to me. I went, gosh darn it, I think he's right. Well, all right. So – I'm I'm not sure it was a truly significant call. <laughs> However, I truly do not regret having taken it. I just want you to know that. Uh so I I just looked up okay. Wet definition and meaning. Moistened, covered or soaked with water or some other liquid in a liquid form or state. That is the second definition. But water is in a liquid form or state. Hmm. On the other hand, there is a there is an, uh, thing here. Is water wet? The answer might surprise you. And the answer, it says, the perplexing question is making the rounds of school. little has resulted in multiple viewpoints from people who feel extremely passionate about their answers. That's not helpful. I want to know if it's wet. All right. I, I, I think water is wet because of the second definition. Back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. Hey, everybody. It's the final segment of the show today. I haven't done a Friday show in over a month because of travel. And almost, I don't think it's happened in my broadcast history. Friday is, in some ways, my favorite show. On the other hand, I say that every day, which is a good sign. Let me review your calls. If you hang up, I do not know what you wanted to call on, so please do not hang up. 
in Shahola, Pennsylvania. I told you, Pennsylvania. By the way, I do believe water is wet. I did not buy the uh, the notion that it's not wet. I think it's playing with words. On the other hand, I might be wrong. I fully acknowledge that. The idea that only that water makes something else wet, but it is not wet, strikes most of us as absurd. I make you wet, but I'm not wet. And I'm speaking now on behalf of water. On the other hand, frozen water is not wet. But it's, co- it's not called water. It's called ice. Uh, Shahola, Pennsylvania. Tom, have you ever played a particular instrument since you were a conductor? Uh, no, I played piano and accordion as, as a kid. That's how I learned how to read music and learn music theory. But I, uh, I've only been conducting in terms of musical performance. That is correct. Uh, let's see. Yes, Robert in Sacramento. Poor thing, Sacramento, California. AB 665 will be voted on at the Senate. Yeah, that is a war of left-wing states on parents. Remember, every totalitarian movement in history seeks to undermine parental authority. All leftism is totalitarian in nature. The only reason they're not totalitarian is because they're blocked. If they could be, they would be. Uh, okay. Emma in, Emma in Idaho. Hi. I always love hearing from you. Matt in Greenville, South Carolina is going on the stand with Israel tour. What should he read? Do me a favor. Send that question to Sean, and I will look up some suggested reading on Israel. I do want to answer that. Sean, what should he do? Sean at what? Quickly. Sean at DennisPrager.com. S-E-A-N. And, and uh, you should uh, ask him, and I will respond to you. All right. Yes, everybody. It's great to be back. Thank you for listening. I'll be with you Monday. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor Pain-Free Studio. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com.